Thank you. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos Haggadol. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Hello everyone, I hope everyone is well and safe, we should have continued Refuas and Yeshuas, you know, about a week ago a friend of mine, Rabbi Dovi Kilsen, Mashkiach of Darchi Torah, reached out to me and said, you know Baruch, don't you remember that song from Journeys One from A.B. Rottenberg about the Sefer Torah, that after the war finds itself alone, and I said, sure, who doesn't remember that song, and he said, well now, you know, it's a little different, but that Sefer Torah is alone again except this time the Sefer Torah is where it belongs, but we're not in the place where we belong. And I was very touched by his words, and I said, you know what, if I can reach out to A.B. and he could maybe write some lyrics that will give us a cheshek to really come back to the place where we belong, maybe Hashem will bring us there very, very soon. 
I'm so. very grateful to you, Vara, for reaching out to me and uh, telling me about uh, Rabdov's idea. And uh, the past few days, Vara uh, and I have been communicating back and forth, trying to put together the lyrics. And uh, we hope uh, that you out there will enjoy them and get chizik from them. We're ready to start. Here we go. I was made way back in 1842 The Torah crafted by a righteous Jew My story is no secret It's a legend now well known How I lost my purpose when I lost my own but these past years I've once more come alive In a show where Tyra and Tefillah thrive Three days a week I'm on display My words are read out loud Which fills my heart with joy and makes me proud But now again I cry out in despair What happened to the precious sounds of prayer? Where are the lively sessions Of vibrant Tyra sparks? I wonder from the silence and the dark How I miss the rabbi holding me so tight and lechad ideas refrain on Friday night I so hope to hear those voices yearning for Hashem and that they miss me as much as I miss them judgments always fair and the yid can speak to you from anywhere but my heart is aching for their tefillah and their song please return them to the place where they belong from deep within we beg the one Protect from harm the children that you love So that they may stand side by side And turn their hearts to you Kish and their faith and hope renew So that they may stand side by side For all eternity Unity. 
JM in the AM. Well, a song that uh, was as powerful as I uh, was told it is. The place where they belong, uh, especially on this Erev Shabbos. What a poignant selection. Thank you, A.B. Rottenberg and uh, Rabbi Baruch Levine. The place where they belong. We all yearn for it. We would give anything to be in our shul tonight and sing L'Chad Odi together. We'd give anything for that. As I said last week, toward the end of JM&AM on Friday, I miss my shul a lot. And uh, what we would give to start Shabbos HaGadol together in shul, singing L'Chad Odi, what we would give to be able to have a Shabbos HaGadol the way we're used to having a Shabbos HaGadol. We'll have one, but it'll be different. If we had Shabbos HaGadol the way we normally have, I might not even complain about the Yotzros that they say in my shul on Shabbos HaGadol. <laughs> I may leave my apartment 10 minutes earlier for a Shabbos HaGadol drusha as opposed to walking in late. I might agree to all those stipulations to be able to be together on this Shabbos HaGadol. Welcome to JM in the AM. Uh, before the uh, brand new The Place Where They Belong, Mordechai ben David with Hine Anochi, words from tomorrow's Haftorah, and Ein Od Milvado, something we need to keep in mind as we go through this crisis. Draw ye crop from the Maccabees, Avremo with Itcha Ani Na'avar. I'm saying to myself, how, how on earth did I not think about starting the show with that song every morning over the last week? Simcha Liners Na'avar. Avarnu et paro, Na'avar gametze. With all the comparisons that the... Uh, coronavirus situation has being made to, uh, to the story of Pesach and being isolated in our homes and listening to the one above and his instructions and, and um, you know, the all the different concepts, Chabura for Carbon Pesach and then Kol Dich Vin Avarnu et Paro, Navar Gamed I don't know why it took me so long to realize it, but I, I may just start, I may just start every show after Modani between now and, uh, and um, and Pesach with that uh, with that song, and Regesh of course with Modani opening things up Friday morning, April the third, the ninth of Nisan. Good morning, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav, Erev Shabbos uh, Hagadol with candle lighting at seven o three in New York, seven o three. Tuesday night is Bedikas Chametz, the search for the Chametz. Wednesday is Erev Pesach. We're here of course at JM and the AM. That'll be the final day of next week for us. Erev Pesach Wednesday. We'll check with Rabbi Goldwasser on the exact time of the Seum. This year, of course, uh, more more than ever, we want to be part of the Seum. And uh, we'll discuss that with Rabbi Goldwasser and let everyone know exactly when the Seum uh, for the Bechorim uh, will take place on Wednesday. And um, don't forget to sell your chametz. A little bit more of an unusual procedure this year, so make sure to take care of that. 
uh, the Tfilas Kalim. Make sure to take care of that. And um, and all the other preparations for the Chag. Lieutenant Governor of New York State is going to join us. Speak with her in the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. A little bit of a shorter edition of the weekly update because Rabbi Yudin Shabbos HaGadol Drusha is going to take some time. So Malcolm will join us, uh, I don't know, for about 20 minutes or so coming up uh, for the weekly update. Uh, he is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Rabbi Yudin, of course, Shabbos HaGadol Drusha. Nathan Diamond from the OU is scheduled to join us. There's a lot that people need to know regarding grants and loans, etc. He'll discuss that with us. And um, we'll wrap things up at some point after 9 a.m. this morning. And uh, Naomi Nachman will have a, a table for two broadcast. Mark Zamek with a stellar Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. For a uh, Shabbos, for, uh, for an Eruv Shabbos Hagadol, and uh, much, much more, as you would suspect. Much, much more. JM in the AM Friday. Here's Arye Kunstler.
Till I can sing these songs again So I take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes and I can say Come join with me my friends Kuna Ryan and all I share
Friday morning, JM in the AM. That's um, Yishai Rebo with that uh, amazing song, Keter Melucha, that he uh, he composed specifically for these times of crisis because of the uh, virus. Yeshiva boys had curry bone. You heard Shmakolena from Shlomo Katz. Micha Gammerman's Pesach medley on an Erev Shabbos Hagadol, Mizmar Shir, done by Aryeh Kunzler. 
This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H, Abel's, excuse me, Abel's and Hyman Hot Dogs, Sausages and Deli the, are the world's best, serving the kosher and kosher la Pesach world since 1954 and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. To our news from Israel coming up, Lieutenant Governor of New York State is going to join us. Talk about the um, coronavirus, etc. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Got Galei Tzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, will join us. That'll be happening uh, about 7.40 Eastern Time. Bit of an abridged version since uh, Rabbi Yudin is going to um, take some time for the Shabbos HaGadol Drusha that we'll have for you. And um, And uh, Shabbos HaGadol Drusha. Wednesday, uh, Rabbi Goldwasser will join us for the Seum, the annual Seum. I don't know exactly how we're going to conduct things. Usually, he's at a place with a minion that we are uh, participating in sort of via telephone. Uh, we'll see exactly what system we'll use, but we'll have the Seum Wednesday morning at some point, likely in the 7 o'clock hour. We're going to nail that down and let you know exactly how that's going to work this coming Wednesday, Erev Pesach. It's Erev Shabbos, uh, it's Parsha Tzav, Erev Shabbos HaGadol with candle lighting 703 in New York, 47 degrees with rain and a high of 52. Cloudy tonight, low 46, and mostly cloudy for tomorrow, a high 56 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 66, we're at 47 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM and the AM. By the way, keep in mind, uh, I think Tuesday is the last day for Kiddush Lavana. So you may want to add Kiddush Lavana to your family's if you could see the moon from where you are, <laughs> your family's tefillot tomorrow night. Galit Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast next. צהל קיבל הבוקר את האחריות על ניהול המשבר בבני ברק, כך הוחלט בתום דיון בהשתתפות ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו, שר הפנים אריה דרעי, הרמטכאל אביב כוכבי ואחרים. כתבנו צחי דאבוש מוסר כי בשיחה סוכם כי צהל באמצעות עוצבת האש, שתפעל בכפיפות לפיקוד העורף, יחל במתן סיוע למרחב האזרחי בעיר בזמן הקרוב. בשעות הבוקר נכנסה לתוקף האכיפה הקפדנית בבני ברק, שהוגדרה אמש כאזור מוגבל לתנועה, בעקבות המספר הגבוה של התושבים שנמצאו חיוביים לקורונה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת שמאות שוטרים יאכפו את התקנות גם במהלך השבת. על פי הנתונים, אחד מכל שבעה חולי קורונה בישראל מתגורר בבני ברק. משרד הבריאות סיים את החקירה האפידמיולוגית של השר יעקב ליצמן, שנמצא חיובי לנגיף הקורונה. על פי הודעת המשרד בוצע איכון לטלפון האישי של השר, בניגוד לדיווחים קודמים, והמקומות בהם היה ליצמן נכללו ברשימת האתרים בהם ביקרו חולי קורונה. עוד צוין כי אזרחים שבאו עמו במגע קיבלו הודעה אישית. 
פרסום ראשון, התפרצות קורונה נוספת, הפעם בבית אבות חרדי מעון הורים בירושלים. שתי דיירות נדבקו ממטפלת שעבדה בבית האבות ומאושפזת במצב בינוני בבית החולים שערי צדק. כתבנו לענייני בריאות מאיר מרציאנו שהביא את הפרטים, מוסר כי רק אתמול שתי קשישות נוספות מבית האבות מגדל נופים בירושלים ומבית האבות משען בבאר שבע נפטרו מהנגיף. משרד הבריאות מסרב לבצע בדיקות קורונה לכלל הדיירים בבתי האבות שהתגלו בהם. ביר הקורונה הפסידה בקרב נגד הנגיף לפחות לבינתיים. חברת גרופו מודל או המקסיקנית הודיעה על עצירת פס הייצור של בירת הקורונה לאחר שממשלת מקסיקו הכריזה כי בעת הזו היא נחשבת לא חיונית. מאז פרוץ המגפה חלה ירידה של 40% במכירות מותג הבירה שנחשב עד לפני מספר חודשים לאחד הרווחיים בעולם. במהלך הלילה בוצע ירי ביישוב בית ג'אן לעבר ביתו של עובד בכיר בשב"ס והושלך מטען מאולתר לעבר רכבו. לא היו נפגעים אך נגרם נזק לבית. שוטרים הוזעקו למקום, הקימו מחסומים והחלו בסריקות לאיתור חשודים. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל מוסר שהרקע לאירוע טרם ברור. מזג האוויר התחממות מחר יעשה חם מהרגיל הצ'רבי ולסיום השחקן והבדרן טוביה צפיר החלים מהקורונה. הוא טופל באשפוז ביתי מטעם קופת החולים שלו, מסר כי הוא מרגיש מצוין ומודה לכל מי שדרש בשלומו. וגם מאיתנו איחולי החלמה לחולים ובריאות איתנה לכולם. אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. with David Dax in that Shabbos medley here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, I don't think uh, either the lieutenant governor of the state of New York nor I ever thought that uh, her return to J.M. in the A.M. would be under these circumstances in New York State, in the United States, and the world. Uh, with that in mind, it is a pleasure uh, to welcome back to our airwaves the lieutenant governor of the state of New York, the Honorable Kathy Hochul. Lieutenant Governor, welcome back to J.M. in the A.M. Nakam, thank you so much for having me once again and the opportunity just to say hello to your listeners and give an update and certainly respond to any of your questions. But these are extraordinary times, without a doubt. That is for sure. Are you and your family doing well through all this? Yes, we certainly are, and thank you for asking. And uh, and hopefully yours is in a, your family is safe and in a good place. And there's just tremendous fear out there. I mean, even when you feel your family's protected one day, all of a sudden, your life can be turned upside down, and someone you know contracted the virus, and you're worried about spread, or you may have a loved one or a friend who's already affected. And this is just going to have a ripple effect throughout our community for some time in the near future. No question about it. Um, there, there are many aspects of this to discuss. Because of your position as chair of the Regional Economic Development Council, I, I, I turn to you and ask you if you think that the New York State economy can survive what we're going through with the unemployment now the way it is and with businesses essentially, the non-essential ones, having to, been, having to be closed down, do you think the state can survive? 
the state will have to survive. We are survivors in New York. It's in our DNA to come through adversity with more strength than ever before. We saw that after 9-11. We've seen that in many episodes, you know, dealing with a hurricane that uh, destroyed many of our properties, flooded the subway, for goodness sakes. Who would have foreseen that? But we are resilient in New York. We will come back. And the good news is is that while we are 1,000% laser-focused on saving lives and increasing hospital capacity and encouraging people to socially distance, simultaneously I am working with our economic development team in my capacity as chair of the regional councils to make sure that we're already communicating with the businesses, letting the small businesses know that there's federal money available, businesses under the under 500, actually. There's a program starting today right. where they can get loans. So we are focused on the immediate relief for businesses and families, but I'm already have a, working on a game plan with each individual community of how we come out of this. So we won't find out that this is now over and let's start thinking about the economy. Those conversations and plans are already going on as we speak. So that's why I feel confident that it'll take some time. I don't know what the new normal is going to look or feel like in the New York State economy, but the governor and I are focused on making sure that, that all New Yorkers are protected now, but that we get back to an economy that is productive and something we're all proud of uh, as soon as humanly possible. The Honorable Kathleen Hochul is with us, Lieutenant Governor of New York. Uh, I know the present and the future is much more important to talk about, but for a moment, can you discuss how difficult it was uh, for the governor and your administration to make the decisions that had to be made, the closing of the schools, the closing of bars and restaurants? We know the repercussions. That whole process must have been agonizing. Absolutely, and I thank you for recognizing that. These are these are actions that are not taken lightly. But when you quantify, you know, dollars and economic growth and prosperity on one side, which is something we all have been fighting for uh, since you know the governor was elected. He had a turnaround in, in an economy that was really not doing well. So that's been, we're so proud of the accomplishments, you know, throughout New York City, the, you know, Westchester, Long Island, Brooklyn, and so many areas are coming back. But then you just ask yourself, but what is the value of human life? And if we take steps now, as painful as they are and and affecting Wall Street and our economy, but we can save people's lives and stop the spread of this heinous disease to destroy lives and and just just do something that is horrific, which is to take away human life, I don't think it's a tough equation then. And I think it's definitely, in our opinion, it tips toward protecting human life at all costs. And that's where we're at. And that's the decision we had to make once we realized that social distancing, keeping people from each other, was the only answer to stop the spread. It truly, truly was. And can you imagine if we had not taken these steps, that if people were still showing up in the workplace and still gathering for celebrations? And I know this is going to be hard, and I and I want to wish everyone a happy early Passover here, <laughs> and this will be a very different Passover, very different seders than we ever experienced. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and we're going to have to figure all that out, and everyone has to figure out how to use their cell phones to have virtual family gatherings <laughs> so we don't lose the beauty of those traditions. But but it is, it is worth it when we know that it could have been far worse had we not taken what seem to be very dire and drastic steps, and that's what we're going to have to live with. And you only can make the decisions based on the facts that are in front of you, and when you see a trajectory of new cases skyrocketing upward, and you have to say, how do we flatten the curve? How do we stop that from going up? Because otherwise, we will lose lives because the hospital system will be so overwhelmed, 
they won't have the ventilators and the help they need to keep them alive. So, you know, I, I'm glad you framed it that way. You know, to understand that it was it was, you know, heart wrenching decisions that had to be made. But when we protect children in schools and protect our senior citizens, our most vulnerable, who've been there through, you know, some of these are still survivors of the Holocaust. Right. And, you know, they've what they've been through. If we don't, you know, honor their lives and do everything we can to protect them and, and keep them safe. Then, then what are we all about? So that, that's that's what had to go into these decision making. You know, uh, New York is often called the center of the world, certainly the center of the United States. Now, ironically, unfortunately, we're the epicenter of this uh, terrible crisis. Um, I know that we can't speak, and thank God, you know, as we said, thank God, the you know those who are healthy don't have to go through this. But the the hospital experience obviously is very very challenging in New York. I'm not minimizing it. Nonetheless. For the average person who, thank God, is not in the hospital right now, I think I could speak on behalf of the citizens of New York in saying that it seems that the the governor and the panel, the governor, yourself, and those that he has up there, you know, updating our state on a daily basis, exude, you know, respectful confidence in the ability to handle this and are staying and remaining very calm yet very firm in terms of what we need to do as citizens and in terms of what they need the state and federal government to do? Would, would you evaluate it in that way? Absolutely. And when you think about the leadership of our country and, and the other states, they, they are all learning from what we're doing here in New York. And we've, we're proud of how many times we've led on so many other initiatives. I mean, you just think about the fact that, you know, just this couple of days ago we passed the very first Domestic Terrorism Act, and named, named in honor of Rabbi Newman, who's tragically lost his life. So we, we were in New York State, we do something, and the rest of the nation is now taking note of what we do. They always have. But now we hope that others will adopt the most uh, you know, aggressive you know, action against domestic terrorism, which is the hate crimes against many individuals, unfortunately many of whom are members of the Jewish community. So I, we, we are used to leading, and it is very commonplace for other states to look to us for leadership, but never do we ever expect that the governor would literally be leading the national response to this in the absence of clear early leadership, which we really could have benefited from in our nation? And the governor sounding the alarm early on, saying what we had to do and saying we have to have more capacity in our hospitals, we need more staff, we need more equipment, and really forcing the hand to make sure that we have the Javits Center now is in response to the governor asking for help from the Army Corps. We now have a ship in our harbor that's going to be able to help us take care of a thousand people at a time. We also have, you know, social distancing policies and, and programs that other states are modeling. So that, I think that's something that, you know, when you're in the heat of this battle and it's intense and it's hot there and you're just trying to figure out survival day to day. But when you step back for a minute as, a, as New Yorkers who are just watching the governor on his news conferences every day. He does exude confidence that you know, our team is just top-notch. They, we always assemble the best and the brightest in New York State. And this is a role that we, we welcome. I mean, it is hard to be the biggest state hit this way, the largest concentration of people who have contracted the virus and the largest loss of life. It is painful that each, every, every, each and every single life has value, and now there's a, an empty chair for family celebrations, you know, Passover coming up, there's going to be a lot of people who are mourning the loss of a loved one yeah. during what should otherwise be a joyous family occasion. We recognize all that, but this is what we do in New York. I mean, this is this is our opportunity to show the nation if you just have calm, 
confident leadership, you can work through these situations. And it is, it is almost in a strange way good that New York was the first because we are better prepared than anyone with the governor and our administration that anticipated this, putting controls in place, making tough decisions early on. And what we will get out of it sooner as well. I mean, that is the only upside of being hit so hard now that we believe that what the governor calls the apex, the height of this, the top of the mountain, will occur much sooner than other parts of the nation. And when we start our recovery, this is going to allow us to resume whatever the new normal is going to look like at a more quick, at a rapid pace, a sooner pace than other states that won't see their peak. I was just listening to the head of the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. He anticipates their peak in Ohio will be sometimes June and July. I mean, think about that. When we think about how hard it is for people to be distant from each other and their lives disrupted here in New York, we went through this in March. We're going through it in April. We don't know. We don't know the end game. I'm not going to make any predictions. But all we do know is that logic dictates that we will be through this sooner than other areas that haven't haven't even seen anything close to heading up toward that peak yet. It seems so we'll be we'll be able to lead and show others how we get our economy jump started as well. Yeah, and that uh, I, I guess that has to wait obviously until we see how things turn around. Hopefully uh, by the end of April. Uh, it, it seems like your administration is uh, preparing for the worst case scenario while hoping and praying that the citizens of New York State are smart enough to follow the rules and never get, God forbid, to the worst case scenario. When you watch the graphs that the governor displays, he shows how many hospitalizations we anticipate, right. uh, depending on how much we contain the spread. And containing the spread is not up to the, the doctors and the nurses. They see what happens when the spread has not been contained. But each community has within themselves and each family has the power to stop that spread by adhering to rules that we've been, you know, literally begging people to follow for, for weeks now. And we're starting to see some evidence, nothing that we can put numbers behind that, you know, we believe that we can slow this spread when there are people that are not spreading it to each other. It's very simple to understand. I understand the human toll. People are, are naturally wanting to be with others and particularly older citizens living alone already. And the only joy in their lives may have been a visit from the, the family, the dinners, the grandchildren coming to visit. And that sense of loneliness has to be so compounded. But that's why we have to continue to pick up the phone and and just communicate with people. And, and I try to package up food if I'm home and making some extra meals and take them down to my neighbors. And, you know, just not that I'm talking to them in person, but through the door and saying, hey, there's an extra meal here for you tonight. And that's how we're going to protect it ourselves, but also protect society. And that's anyone who violates that is really being selfish because you may not care about your own life for some reason. You may not may be cavalier and say, well, I'm fine. I'm not going to worry about it. I'll deal with it if it happens. But what does that do to another family that doesn't want to lose a loved one or doesn't want to see their family members suffer? It is insensitive. And oh, yeah. you know, we, start, we started out saying, you know, please adhere to this. People weren't listening. People were still congregating in playgrounds and playing basketball and having close physical contact with each other. And what is that doing? So and I know with, again, the, the religious observances coming up, and, and it's going to be painful for people. But let's just, you know, God God allowed us this to happen. He wants to see how we get through this. We are strong, resilient people. The spirit, human spirit should never ever be underestimated. 
Um, I'm glad you brought this up, and we'll wrap up with this because I know you have to go, uh, Lieutenant Governor. But th- there are people that, that like to use this opportunity for finger-pointing, uh, whether it's the Jewish community, the Asian community, and many others, and demographics, young people, uh, you know, single people. I mean, th- every demographic you can imagine has been blamed in some way. Uh, can you can you and I'm sure your your uh, administration pays careful attention as to who is and who is not adhering to the rules. C- could you tell us and just reassure us that the overwhelming majority of every community, thank God, is cooperating and every community or every segment of New York State society, unfortunately, has its people that, as you just described, are either selfish or or not smart enough or think they know better. And, uh, you know, and and unfortunately go against the rules. But I, I, I think it's important for this audience, you know you know the audience you're speaking to, I think it's important for this audience to hear that you as a government official acknowledges that the overwhelming majority of people uh, are, are taking this very seriously. Oh, by far they are, absolutely. And if we you know, refer to the Jewish community, I thank them for following these practices. Again, there'll be exceptions in every community, I mean, no doubt about it, but they are not the rule. There are a lot of people that are, concerned about each other. Uh, the, the Jewish community is very supportive of themselves and, and others, but they also are outward thinking. They're always very philanthropic. They're always thinking about other people and how they can help alleviate people from pain. There is no way that anyone would intentionally put someone in harm's way because of their own actions. So there is that tight sense of responsibility that I feel exuding from the Jewish community in these, in these difficult times, and, and they should know that we are aware of this. And if there are any uh, any anything associated with saying elsewhere, we, we, we will be very happy to shoot it down. And any acts of anti-Semitism that arise because of this, and they're going on, I guarantee it, because there's a lot of fear and anger, and people are looking for targets to take it out on. Right. And we are we are sick and tired of this, uh, the Jewish community being subjected to this, which is why we enacted a tough law that we hope will be a deterrent, that people realize that we take this very seriously and we equate any kind of attack that results in death, as we horribly saw in Muncie, just uh, just the, the loss occurring this past Monday, right. uh, we're going to treat it as if it's a terrorist act. And you need to know that you are you are a terrorist if you do this. And that's what's important to let people know. But I think that I will defend the Jewish community and other communities because they should not be judged by the actions of a few. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, let's make a deal that a year from now, I mean, I hope you're on before that, frankly, but a year from now before Passover, we we get on the phone again together and look back uh, with great nostalgia about this period of time, and hopefully we'll be able to wish people a, a proper Passover together with their families. Absolutely, but I will offer a, an early happy Passover to everyone, and uh, uh, this, is, this is what we have been, the challenge we've been given, but I guarantee uh, as throughout history, the, the community will rise to it, and, and we'll we'll be better for it somehow. We just have to figure out what the new future is going to look like, but we'll have those conversations going forward. So thank you for the opportunity to say hello. Much appreciated. Words of encouragement from people like you are so vital right now. Thank you so much, and stay healthy, and best to your family. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, Lieutenant Governor of the State of New York, this is a Friday morning edition of JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 7.03 on this Friday era of Shabbos as uh, we get ready for a uh, Shabbos Hagadol. Yanki Lemmer, the great cantor at JM in the AM.
Every single thing we do for Shabbos earns us a great reward. So on Wednesday night, if you bake a delicious chocolate cake for Shabbos, just say La Kavod Shabbos Kodesh and then pop it in the oven. Yum! Let's get ready now, it's almost Shabbos. There is so much work for us to do. Shopping, cleaning, and loads of cooking. Shabbos Kodesh, how we welcome you. Estee loves to polish all the silver. She makes sure to do it all just right. When she's done, the candles sparkle brightly. That brings in a special Shabbos light. Get all dressed up in their suits, they look so very smart. After they add their ties and Shabbos cufflinks, nobody can tell the two apart. Let's sing Shabbos Kodesh, let's sing Shabbos Kodesh, let's sing Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos? I sure am. You'll never get me to work on Shabbos. Ellie Sheva loves to make fresh challahs. Her Bobby's recipe is just the best. She bakes them happily lecovot Shabbos. Then she serves them to her Shabbos guests. We love Shabbos Kodesh. We love Shabbos Kodesh, we love Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. We love Shabbos Kodesh, we love Shabbos Kodesh, we love Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. Let's sing Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos Kodesh, let's sing. Shabbos Kodesh, Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh. Oh yes, we love Shabbos. Let's sing. Keep that in mind as we get into Shabbos Hagadol and under these strange conditions for the year five seven eight zero. That's Uncle Maishi. Before that, you heard Shlomo Katz and Proke. Yankee Lemmer with his Miros medley. Before that. 
Well, I was just sent a brand new selection from uh, Eighth Day. I was just sent a brand new selection from Eighth Day. It's called Alakud the Mayor. It's coming out in the next few days. We've got the preview. We've got the world debut here at JM and the AM. Eighth Day with the crisis that the world is going through in mind. A brand new song called Alakud the Mayor at JM and the AM. On a pitch black night, he rode a horse of the purest white. He knocked on the door, kind of prison afraid. In his hand, a bag of money. What shall I do when the money runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky. What shall I do when the gold runs dry? Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky. They surrounded me These three words they set me free When you got no strength and you cry and please Lost in the forest can't find the trees Here's what you do when the money runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky Here's what you do when the gold runs dry Here's a prayer that could pierce the sky It's the brand new one from 8th Day, just released. It'll be officially out in a couple of days, but this is the world debut. Elaka de Mayer, 8th Day at JM in the AM. J.M. and the A.M. Friday on this Erev Shabbos HaGadol, Erev Shabbos Parshas Tzav. If you want a lot of uh, inter- a lot of articles, rather, to print out before Shabbos on Israel and the Jewish world, go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com, a great resource. And, of course, 
with extra time being spent at home, you may want to uh, read up on some of the things happening in Israel and the Jewish world. An abridged version of our weekly update, because we have Rabbi Yudin's uh, Shabbos HaGadol Drasha coming up, and then we have a very important conversation coming up after that uh, regarding what you need to know today if you are leading a um, not-for-profit organization out there uh, in terms of loans, grants, etc. So we'll do that and try to uh, bunch everything into the 8 o'clock hour here at JM and the AM. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning. How are you? Hope everyone's healthy and well and that uh, you continue to be able to uh, work on behalf of our people. Baruch Hashem, we'll be learning to all these new technical skills and how to be remote Maybe get too used to it. That's the danger. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody anymore. <laughs> You're already starting to fear that, huh? I, I have decided that this is not really an epidemic. It's a phone-demic. <laughs> I can't get off the phone. From, we have conference calls and from early morning till late in the evening, and I, I, the whole day is gone by the time I turn around. Somebody said to me that their ear muscles are starting to hurt <laughs> because of the phone activity. And I guess you could relate to that. And, yes, it's funny because whenever I uh, say to myself, my gosh, you know, uh, what time is it? It's usually like 4 or 5 p.m. This week, for the first time, I turned around. It was only like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, wow, I can't believe the day hasn't marched on the way it usually does. Uh, As day turns into night and one thing drifts into another, it's really unbelievable. Everyone into a real new reality, to say the least. Um, All right, Malcolm, let's start with – uh, a couple of things going on in Israel. First of all, is there is there trouble in actually forming this government now? Is it going on without any difficulty? What's the story? Nothing in Israel goes without difficulty when it comes to politics. So I think um, while it changes all the time, there are reports and the indications are that they are closer to a deal. And uh, God willing, that will, will be the case, and we will see... Uh, you know, government come out of this very soon. They need it, the, the, you know, the crisis, the immediate crisis, but also the longer term and the, all the indications that we have that, you know, Iran is going to look to take advantage of this. Others are that the, the quiet from Hamas and Hezbollah, who are also preoccupied, is, is a temporary one. And the need to for Israel to be able to have a strong enough government to address the economic implications because, you know, the the concern we have and that we have been focusing on in terms of here, and I heard what you said about the, the advice to organizations, which is very important, yeah. uh, is to focus also on the day after. And, uh, you know, there are going to be long-term implications of this that we haven't even begun to understand what it will mean for a lot of our institutions and for a lot of people. Uh, and it's true both here and domestically, but it's uh, but the internationally and in the global picture will also be affected. Um, you know, we see the in the Middle East, this is just starting really in some countries, and we don't have real numbers. We know that it's huge in Iran. We know it's huge in other countries. Iran is taking advantage of this in terms of its nuclear program. So Israel needs to be able to get its act together, get past some of the political argumentation and get focused on the I mean if you, you there there's so many things that implications that we don't even think of you know that right. the waqf on the on the Harabayat, on the Temple Mount took advantage of this now to start digging on the Temple Mount 
and which, uh, which they can't do without government authority, obviously. Exa- exactly, and they do a lot of damage to the antiquities, and they haven't, you know, they did it in the days of Arafat when we, in the sifting project is what more than ten, twelve years old, and they're, they're still going through all of the stuff that was um, that was taken and that destroyed and, and the taken to the, to the dump uh, and removed from from uh, there and put in the Jews and Fars so the could be held and gone through and sifted through. Um, first of all, you know, with the enemy being quiet, nonetheless, there were rockets from Gaza to Israel this week, correct? Yeah, very few. It was, it was um, probably pitched because Hamas right now is not interested in it. They're, they're focused on trying to contain it in Gaza because if it, if it really spreads in Gaza, it'll go like wildfire. Uh, there were two guys who came back from Pakistan who were infected and infected some of the guards at the border crossing. But it seems the number of cases is uh, is somewhat limited. The, um, and, of course, the accusations go out, and we see the terrible things online, the, the massive anti-Semitic um, campaign that is being stimulated. You have a governmental level with Iran blaming the United States, blaming Israel, China for a while, did other sources, but mostly the anti-Semitic websites are picking up every Jewish name, every Jewish connection to this, which is why some of the images are so are particularly damaging at this time. Yeah. But the um, uh, so we have that manifestation that we don't even talk much about now. Uh, which is the, um, you know, the, how the, what will happen when campus start again, and we have all the anti-Israel, anti-Semitic uh, stuff starting, uh, uh, starting all over, and you know there are so many other manifestations that, I mean, we can go into about, but if you look at the regional situation, what's happening in Lebanon, we have a collapse of a government, you know, the economic collapse is, is taking, they defaulted on the on the loans, and that's even before this started. You have you know, um, the warnings by the U.S. to Iran and the responses by Iranian officials, you know, if they want war, we're ready. We're going to teach them a lesson, and uh, they're in no position to teach anybody a lesson right now. They're, they're in real dire situations, and perhaps when this is over, the people will, like they were before, will be out in the streets and will hold them to account and could make some real um, differences in the situation in Iraq, where Iran is extending its influence and trying to do this quickly because I know we have limited time. Um, and the um, the new head of the guy replaced Soleimani, the head of the IRGC, Quds forces was there, was in Iraq, and uh, trying to number one block the new uh, pri- prime minister Zorfi, uh, who they they don't like and who. Um, they're trying to create an alternative too, but he was appointed and designated, and it's supposed to take office soon. And they only have a few more days to form a government in Iraq, or goes back to ground zero. And one of the most upsetting things is the, the um, release of the killers of Daniel Pearl by the government of Pakistan. Right. For those of us who knew him and what he did, this was uh, really upsetting. And how he died in the Kiddush Hashem that he made. Right. Um, we have to acknowledge, and uh, maybe I should have done this at the beginning, um, uh, you and I often reflect the mood of the worldwide Jewish community, or, or, or certainly uh, the Jewish community of this area as it relates to Israel and other things. We, we have to acknowledge that there is a lot of pain going on in our community right now. I mean that worldwide, obviously, but specifically now for a moment 
New York and New Jersey. A lot of people are being lost. I think everybody at this point knows somebody or, or, you know, in, or in some ancillary way knows somebody who has passed away, uh, whether it be rabbis or community leaders or people who act like community leaders, both men and women who uh, have either led organizations or have led their own efforts to help other people. We hear these stories, of course, after their passing. Um, somebody who taught my children uh, and in Manhattan Day School, Rabbi Heber, for 40 years, passed away this week from this thing, and uh, uh, and somebody who had visited this neighborhood on a regular basis, you know, every Friday for many years from Chabad, passed away, and the list goes on and on and on. And I just think that often you have the right words uh, in reaction to the collective pain that the Jewish world feels, and uh, we're being hit very hard right now. Extremely hard, and disproportionately so. I think if you look at the numbers in Great Britain, uh, really uh, underscore it where they are three-tenths of one percent of the population, but ten times that number percentage of the victims of uh, of this. Uh, many people have different theories that it came about because of Purim and people were together. But, and in general, our community is so together. And it comes together every Shabbos in different times, which Wedding. is why people had to heed the warnings. But the... the um, the shocking thing is that this proportionate number of rabbanim and important rabbanim, but um, who who uh, of all ages, by the way, right. going down to very young ages, um, is is astonishing. And every morning, if you look at the list, it's it's incredible the number of people worldwide, and especially here in the United States, uh, we don't even know of them all. I saw the the deputy head of. Um, Tara Tamima and right. others who 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 are nifter that we didn't right. know. It's just that when you see newspaper reports, and because word doesn't get out, that easily uh, or people don't go to Levias. I mean, I knew I know uh, knew several of the people who died this week. Some yeah. even a member of my own shul. It's it's really tragic, and we're going to have long term, I said, pain and and uh, suffering. People don't even have the right way to mourn. Um, Afterwards, uh, because of the the restrictions that Levias are limited, and you know, uh, and too many of the people have to die alone because you can't go to hospitals and they can't go to places to where where people are sick. All these uh, things we were not used to, uh, and, and just until a couple of weeks ago, it's unbelievable the transformation that everyone everyone has it's had to make. Terrifying that that when we talk about things changing overnight, changing in a blink of an eye. You think about this, that if you would have said this to somebody, you know, the week before Purim, they would have said, are you crazy? What is not going to happen? Right. That there will be nobody at any Seder outside of immediate family. If you would have, I mean, could you imagine having said that a month ago to somebody? They would have thought you're crazy. That 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 is is right. That that we would have suffered the losses we have. But, you know, we we say from the Agada that we begin...
that there are many things going on in Israel. And if you see them, the really remarkable stories of chesed, of people who are volunteering. You think of yep. within our community, Hatzalah, but all the doctors, all the nurses who are doing round-the-clock stuff, the police, the fire, the, all the others in our community. But and in, in Israel, you know, they turned the production line for the Merkava tank into producing ventilators and and other equipment, emergency equipment. They changed the uh, Army's uh, uh, repair place for the trucks to to uh, outfitting ambu- fixing ambulances they then and the the people the food distribution there were massive efforts at food distribution as there are here with all the restrictions following the rules the people making sure that the uh, elderly people in our neighborhoods and their communities aren't don't don't uh, go into Pesach without food yeah so there are so many remarkable stories of what people did and the doctors working around the clock. No question about it. We should, really not, uh, we should not lose sight of that as we deal with our, each of our individual challenges. Um, all right, a few minutes left. Let's see if we could do this quickly. Um, the president, you, you just said that there's a – I didn't think it was necessary for the president to, to issue a threat to certain countries, especially Iran. You know, I, I thought that they're all preoccupied with the uh, with the coronavirus, but uh, I, I mean, you've just changed my mind because now it seems that that threat from the president of the United States or the warning from him was in fact necessary. It was necessary to send a message because we know that they're engaged in all sorts of mischief, especially in Iraq, where they, you know, have carried out the twenty sixth attack against American troops, but have threatened more. We know that, uh, as I mentioned, the visit of uh, Soleimani's right. successor and some of these other things that uh, underscore what um, – and, and uh, by the way, still trying to ship stuff into Syria. Israel hit this week a very important target. It's still not clear, but it was representatives of Hezbollah from Lebanon and uh, the IRGC were meeting in Syria and uh, – Boy, but they, they don't get it. Rockets. They don't get it. Huh? Every time they try that, Israel, Israel's able to uh, to stop them. Uh, that's right. And the the um, you know with the but the focus, the internal focus. But think about what will happen with the uh, because of the economic dislocation and people wanting to divert attention. If governments are going to be tottering, that we could have escalating uh, unrest. And by the way, domestic unrest, I think here too, but also in, internationally. Right. What does the president mean when he says, "I think Iran wants a deal"? I think they really want a deal. Like, what's he what's he assuming that somebody in Iran wants to sit down with the U.S. and and make a an actual deal right now? Well, I can't always interpret it, but uh, uh, you know what the specific reference was. But the warning uh, he he says because and they they indicate, but they want a deal on their terms. Right. And he what he's doing is holding out promise that that there is a deal. He's not, it, it, which. Uh, diminishes some of the opposition who are still pressing for renewal of the deal that the uh, that he's you know in favor of it but it's got to be on our terms no the, nuclear no nuclear weapons as he said which i guess would be the most basic part and they're of moving it. all the time ahead on the stockpiling uh, during this time and and the IEA inspectors can't get in because everything is sealed so they're not even inspecting and seeing what what iran is up to yeah understood and and explain to me, <laughs> I, I just I, I just don't get it because you know when it comes to economics I have no expertise. When he speaks of Syria and Russia and their involvement now in the oil industry, that you know where the prices are dropping like crazy. What is he talking about in terms of an alliance or deal between the two of them? 
So the, he, he, the, the report, of course, is that the two are at war with one another, economic war, and that they are, um, and they brought down the uh, price of oil, saying that they would continue to produce at maximum. And um, so, what he, the implication of what he's saying is that they were, they were conspiring to break the American industry, and especially the fracking business, by bringing the price down so low that these others can be competitive. That Saudi Arabia can produce it much cheaper than Russia. I don't know whether this is just conspiracy theorists or or there could be some reality uh, to it, but it, it seems that. That has ended. That the competition and now the price of oil has gone up. I think jumped 11 percent yesterday, or maybe a little bit more. Um, whether it's really over, we'll see. But uh, I, I don't know why they. Would do. I mean, both of them are paying a heavy price. Russia is dependent upon this income even more than Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Saudi Arabia's economic conditions aren't what they were. So to think that they, what the real purpose of this conflict was, whether it, it was to demonstrate independence or for Saudi Arabia to position itself. And, and at a time when there is such a glut of oil, it doesn't necessarily make sense. What does it do to the American oil industry, whether they have a deal or not? How, would that be good? Would either one be good or bad for the U.S.? Well, the U.S. is economic, is uh, oil independent. The question is our infrastructure here. And, and if some of the fracking places close down and are under tremendous economic pressure because at $22 a barrel, you can't produce. Um, so when it was at $40, $50, it was economically viable. We don't know yet what the long-term damage is if any of these companies. I mean, I heard that some of the smaller companies were closing down. Uh, we'll have to see, and and we'll see how fast the price of oil comes up. But the demand won't be there because factories aren't working, people aren't driving. You know, there's not that much. Uh, there's much less uh, use. Yeah, I don't like the fact that uh, gas is a dollar fifty a gallon. I have nowhere to go. That's not. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> Store <right>? it up. <laughs> that's an idea. Yeah, fill your sukkah with it. <laughs> or put it on the porch. <laughs> um, uh, finally, I mean. Well, two things. First of all, you know, I know that a new government is being formed in Israel, and hopefully it actually will fall into place. You described for us, you know, the, the up-to-date information a few minutes ago. Uh, why does it seem to me that there is like a round robin of minister positions and that I, I can't imagine that someone who has an expertise in a specific area where they've served as minister – uh, for you know, for many years, now all of a sudden has an expertise in a department that's completely unlike their former one. Uh, is is that what's basically going on? That we'll we'll have people who are who are novices uh, in certain departments of the Israeli government. Yes, it's unique and it's so much different than here, where the president gets to a point. People don't understand why. Uh, in coalition politics, it's different. But you have to reward people, and you have to reward the partners that will become part of your coalition and satisfy their interests. And, of course, there are the primary uh, positions, but they're not necessarily the ones we know. There are positions that have a tremendous amount of patronage and jobs and stuff that they that they want to give. Then there's the prestige positions, defense, foreign minister. We see foreign minister as much more important than people in Israel do. Um, but it's considered one of the prestigious positions, and certainly Treasury finance right. uh, very important. And but you I never know, you I, hope but, that they're going to get people who are smart and can adjust. And but I uh, never thought of that. It's 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 just a different way of getting these people into those offices. Completely different. And, way and to get people, get the coalition, yeah. the parties into the coalition. Right. 
it's horse trading that goes on. And right now there's still a lot of difficulties because a small party, relatively small party, which is necessary for the majority to get to 61 or above, can exercise way disproportionate influence and demand many more seats than they are entitled to. Understood. And very quickly, if we can, um, every segment of the community has a different way of reacting to the what happened this week with the health minister of Israel, that now he is quarantined with his wife with coronavirus. Uh, and, and everyone has, depending on what community or segment of the community you're from, everyone has their perspective. Could you give us a sound, level-headed response to this news item that he's now quarantined with coronavirus? Yeah, but doesn't mean, first of all, he doesn't have the virus. He's being quarantined because he was exposed to the virus by the health minister, which is a little bit of strange thing, who who does have it, as does his wife, Litzman. No, I don't mean prime minister. I'm talking about people, when they've heard that the health minister now has coronavirus, everyone has had different reactions to that because of the segment of the community that he represents. I am asking you for a sound, level-headed response to the fact that he has it. Right. I'm going to get to it, but I just wanted to say that people shouldn't think the government freezes because the prime minister right. has all the ability to continue to, to work. The, the the message and and the health minister visited communities and stuff where he got exposed, but too many people, when B'nai Brock now is sealed off, as are other uh, areas and and the numbers and the disproportionate numbers of, of victims is uh, means that nobody is immune to it. And a lot of people who thought this is not for them and that, that you know that the, and those small numbers who continue to manifest opposition or not to comply should understand that you're not nobody is going to be exempt from it. And when they're filling the hospitals and denying other people care, that they are, are could be the responsible for the deaths of people. That there's not harassment on every single person, every individual, to think about it, to think about the the consequences of their actions for themselves and for the community. Malcolm, uh, we, we will speak, please God, on Isru Chag, the day after Yuntif, two weeks from today. I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy and healthy Shabbos and a happy and healthy Chag Kasher V'Sameach. And everybody should remember, when you say Bechol Dar Vidar, we have the external enemies, we have the known enemies, the unknown. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzileinu Miyadam. Ultimately, we will be saved and people should daven good and uh, and act responsibly. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Next weekly update, literally the day after Yontif, 17th of April, two weeks from today. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with the great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week and the uh, topic of Shabbos HaGadol and the holiday of Pesach. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Wow. Tomorrow, we have the privilege of reading Parshas Tzav. I cry as I share with you my personal emotion that we are not going to be reading it in the Beis HaKnesses. We yearn for it, but you will read it at home. After your Shacharis, take out the Chumash and read it. Read it with your family if you're privileged to be with them and discuss parts of it. Very quickly, according to the Chinuch, easy to remember, nine positive, nine restrictions, 18 mitzvos in Parsha Sav. 
and we have certain very close tie-ins with Pesach. You have the idea that the earthenware cannot be kashered. It had to be broken when they ate the Korban Pesach and it was hot on the plate. They couldn't take that plate home as a souvenir. They had to break it because it couldn't be kashered and it had an absorption of the holy Korban. So we too, as we are kashering, and hopefully this year, be careful <clears throat> if you're doing any kashering. Consult with your rabbi and be very cautious. And you have as well in this week's parsha the korban toda, the thanksgiving offering. Guess what? The Pesach Seder is a thanksgiving celebration. We had it first, way before the last Thursday in November. The concept of v'chol ha'chayim yoducha selo. What are the chayim? V'cholah a person who is sick and, thank God, gets better. A person who crossed the Yam. A person who encountered Yisurim, serious dangers. And finally, the Midbar. We who experienced Yitzias Mitzrayim had all four. Sickness, we went through the Yam. We had Yisurim of Inui of being persecuted in Egypt, and finally we went into the Midbar, the celebration that's forthcoming. I'd like to, let's remember, this Shabbos is called Shabbos HaGadol. Many reasons for it. Let's focus for a moment on the very end of the Haftorah, the Navi Malachai. Put yourself, my friends, into his sandals. And what are you? You know that you have the distinction of being the last Navi till Elio Hanavi comes. And what is your message to the people? Your message to the people is hold on tight. Zichru Toras Moshe Avdi. That's the first thing. And the next thing you say to the people is, and when I say people, you're talking to the people throughout the generations. You're talking to everybody listening today, including Benjamin Yudin. Zichru Torah Moshe Abdi. Be committed and remember and observe the teachings of our Torah. That's what got us here today. And the next thing is, says the Novi Malachi, I promise you, in the name of God, he says, God is going to send Elio Anavi, the prophet Elijah, in order to announce, ta-da, ta-da, da, 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 da. he's going to announce Yom Hashem he's going to announce the forthcoming of the great day of the coming of Moshiach. There will be a Moshiach. That's what the last Navi told us. Now listen carefully. When we are in shul and we hear the brachos of the Haftorah, in one of the brachos that we say, we're not going to hear it this Shabbos, unfortunately, because it can only be said with a minion. And unfortunately, we are not with a minion again this Shabbos. But what are we going to hear? The bracha after the Haftorah is, listen carefully, that vidavar. Echad midvarecha. 
not a single word of the Navi Achor Lo Yoshuv Rekam. Not one of your words is turned back to its origin unfulfilled. What does that mean? It means that every word will come true. Pinch yourself. The same way we are still here as a people, we are being promised that there will be Eliyahu Navi. I'd like to end. One of the reasons why it's called Shabbos HaGadol is because of the Gadol Drasha, the large Drasha of laws that the rabbis give on this Shabbos. I'd like to share with you a special drasha that I'm calling which means that the Jew has to have faith in the nighttime when things are challenging. This is the pasuk that we say every Shabbos in Mizmor Shil Yom Shabbos. Tov lo dos Lashem. It's good to give thanksgiving to God. In the morning, when things are bright, when things are going good, when we all have jobs, and we can all interact, and we can be with one another. We In the good times, thank you, Hashem, for the kindnesses, the many, many kindnesses you do for us. And then it continues, But at nighttime, when it's dark, and things are happening about us that are fearful, it's at that time that I need our emuna, And so, I'd like to go with you. And as there are 15 steps in the Haggadah, Kadesh Urchatz, Karpas Yachatz, I'd like to give you probably 15 ways in which the Seder is uplifting, in which the Seder is to generate emuna. I'm talking to those who are going to be alone at the Seder. I'm talking to those that are going to be with family. That's who you are living with at this time, under the same roof. I'm talking to either an individual or everybody together that we should all be aware of these concepts. And these concepts by itself should give us great inspiration. Let's talk about Wednesday. Before we get to the night of the Seder, just the day of the Seder itself. Lo aleinu. If somebody is sitting Shiva, so if they're sitting Shiva and Shabbos is part of the Shiva, when do they get up? When on Friday? And the answer is as much time as they need to prepare for Shabbos. They need an hour, they need two, depending on the circumstance. That's when they're getting up. However, on Erev Pesach, if somebody is in the middle of Shiva, they get up this coming Wednesday at 12.57. What's 12.57? It's Chatzos, it's mid the day. The day is divided in two. From that time on afterwards, it's considered already very much part of the Yom Tov. What do you mean Yom Tov? I can drive to get last minute things if it's safe to go to a particular store, etc. But you know what I mean? It's not Yom Tov yet, so what's going on here? But the answer is, my friends, that is when the Korban Pesach was brought from after mid the day. And once the Korban is brought, for who? For all of us, it is a Yom Tov for us. 
we have to connect to the Korban Pesach. Don't tell me we haven't had a base on Migdash in almost 2,000 years. We live in the present as if the laws of the Korban Pesach are still binding and applicable to us because we are so sure that we're going to have another base on Migdash. We're not sure. We're positive. And therefore we get up at mid the day, because after that it's already Yom Tov. What does that mean? It's Yom Tov. This is the time when they did, and this is the time they will, please God, slaughter the Korban Pesach, the Paschal Lamb. And therefore, for that reason, guess what? You're not to work in the afternoon on Erev Pesach. For that reason, there's that carrot of the day. It's a special day. Don't work. And if you are working from home, try to stop if you can at 12.57. Help out. Get the house ready for the Seder. Get yourself ready for the Seder. Sit down with the Haggadah and, and enumerate various commentaries that you're going to use. Next, here we go. Why do we have to stop eating chametz on Wednesday? The Yom Tov doesn't start until approximately 7.28, which is Shkia. You're going to light candles 18 minutes earlier. But the Yom Tov doesn't come in until the evening. Why can't I have my last bagel 2 o'clock in the afternoon? And the answer is, my friends, Korban Pesach. Once again, that optimism, we had, we will. What does that mean, we had, we will? The Torah says in Parshas Re'eh, Lo Sochal Olav Chametz. You can't have the two components, two different uh, factors coexist. When you have the Korban Pesach, you can't have Matz, excuse me, you can't have chametz. Not only you can't have chametz when you're doing the Karban Pesach in the Beis Amigdash, no, it means you can't have it in your home. You can't eat it. You can't possess it. When So from the Torah until 1257, you can have that bagel. The rabbi said, wait a minute. No, 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 no. They didn't have watches with precision. What's going on on a cloudy day? Is it 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12? What is it? I don't know. The answer is we stopped two hours earlier. And so you'll check, but I believe in the local um, metropolitan New York area, the time is 10.24, that you have to stop your eating of chametz. Why? Why? After all, the, the Yom Tov was not until the night. The answer is that optimism. We had it. We will have it. The Korban Pesach. And for that reason, let's go on. Many people are going to be taking in this Shabbos earlier. Whoa, what does that mean? It means that even though candle lighting is after 7, they're going to be taking Shabbos in earlier. That's called Tosefes Shabbos, adding on to Shabbos. That's 100% permissible. If I can take Shabbos in early, let me take Pesach in early. Let me start my Seder early. I've got young children at my table. I wish I did. But you know what I'm talking about. Young families that do have young children. Why do you have to wait until approximately 8.10 in the New York area, the earliest to start the Seder? And the answer is, once again, because of the Korban Pesach. It's amazing. I want you to realize that the Korban Pesach dominates. You're going to say to yourself, oh my goodness, we haven't. That's right. We haven't. But we will. We will. This is incredible imuna, incredible optimism. And therefore the Torah Pesach says regarding the Korban Pesach, <clears throat> you have to eat the Korban Pesach at night time. So the eating of the Korban Pesach 
And the rabbis tell us, therefore, all the mitzvot of the night, the matzah was with the Korban Pesach, and even the Kiddush has to be at a time, Kiddush B'mokom Suda, means at a time that you could eat the meal, so I can't make Kiddush until minimally 8.10 this coming, in the New York area, this coming Wednesday night. Wow. Wow. All because of the Korban Pesach. Now, here we are. We're at the Seder finally. What is that white coat that you're wearing, the fellow who's leading the Seder? And the answer is, says the Nitziv in his introduction to this Haggadah, on the night of the Pesach Seder, we relive, we don't remember, we relive Jewish history because we're going to have it again. And when they ate Kotshim, when they ate the holy foods of Korbanos, they wore white coats. Ah, we wear a kittel to remind us that once again we're going to have the Karbanos. Optimism. Emunascha Valelos. Okay, and that Seder plate. What's in the Seder plate? Oh, come on. Look at the Zroa. Look at the Beitzah. What are they there for? Why is the egg? What's the shank bone? The shank bone is for the Korban Pesach and the egg is for the Korban Chagiga. We are going to have Korbanos again. That's what it's for. It's show and tell. Tell everybody. And if you're there at the Seder by yourself, talk to yourself. Because you're not talking to yourself. Who's coming to your Seder? The Abish, the God himself is coming to your Seder. Wow. And don't tell me if I'm home alone, I'm going to wear a casual dress. No. I'm getting dressed up. I'm wearing my finest. I'm wearing a tie. I'm wearing a suit. I'm getting dressed up. Because it's not me alone. It's me and God at the Pesach Seder. Yes, there are pictures all around, so I'll remember my grandchildren. And I'm doing this, that they should be healthy. And they're doing this, that I should be healthy. And please God, we're all going to be together next year. Optimism, emunah, that is such an important factor. Okay, we're at the Seder finally. And let's go slowly. Here we go. We made Kiddush. Wonderful. Urchatz. Now we're going to wash our hands. Oh my goodness. What for? Your hands are clean. You took a shower before you came to the Seder. What's going on here? And the answer is very quickly. Says the Taz. And say the, says the Mishnah Brewer. They all say this. Watch. We're washing our hands <clears throat> right after Kiddush. Because we're going to eat a wet vegetable. Whatever you eat. You eat a potato. You eat celery. Whatever you're eating in the Rabbi Tights Tortoise community. You can eat... Uh, come on, banana, because you have to make an adama, because when you make the adama for the karpas, you keep in mind the moror, because they're both adama, because the question is, should we make a bracha on the moror? We don't make a bracha, so we make the bracha earlier on the karpas, and we keep in mind the moror. But listen carefully, why are we washing our hands? The answer is because you're going to dip the celery in water and salt water and the rabbis years ago when we had a base on Migdash we were all very careful then about the laws of purity and impurity Tuma and Tara and guess what we will be in the future again very careful with purity and impurity so what are we doing tonight tonight we are reliving we're preparing Emuna. we are going to have it again that what that when you have a wet fruit or a wet vegetable and you touch it with your hands without washing your hands, you will impart the impurity from your hands 
to the vegetable. The water is a conductor of tumah, and you don't want to do that. So you're going to wash your hands without a bracha. By the way, the Rambam did make a bracha. So the next time you say to yourself, ah, how important is this washing? And the answer is very. But again, why are we doing this? We're doing this because the This is the night of Emuna. This is the night of Bitochon. Okay, after that, fine. We now come to the Magid. Now listen carefully. Regarding the Magid, which is the mitzvah of telling the story of the Exodus, I would have thought, and the rabbis make this comment, that you would open up the second book of the Torah and read Shmos, Vaera, Bo, read it inside from the text. No, no, no. We do read from the text, but the text that we read comes from the fifth book of the Torah, comes from Parshas Kisavo, comes from the reading, the recitation that the Jew recited when he slash she brought Bikurim to the Beis Amigdash. This is found in Devarim, chapter 26, verse 5. Amazing. We go through 5 through 9. Listen carefully now. We read these psukim at the Seder, and we explain each and every puzzle. Tell me about these psukim, my friends. These psukim were recited when you brought the Bikurim to the, come on, come on, Beis Hamikdash. We don't have Bikurim today because we don't have a Beis Hamikdash. But you know why we're reciting these psukim? Because not only did they, but you know the answer now. We will. It's a night of inspiration. It's a night of Emuna. I'm reminding myself of what they did. And please God, what we will do. Okay, next, we finish, oh, wait a second, this is beautiful. We finish the Magid section, we have sung Dayenu, by the way, parenthetically, the Rambam did not, ask your local Orthodox rabbi why he did not, we sing Dayenu, it's found in our Haggadahs, and we picked up the second cup of wine, and we're basically toasting to Hashem, and now, Listen carefully now. We are reciting a bracha. And this is the bracha of Geula. This is our bracha similar to Sha'asanisim Labosenu. We don't say the bracha of Sha'asanisim, but it's the bracha of Ga'al Yisrael, the bracha of Asher Ga'olanu. The bracha is found in the Gemara. Psachim in the Mishnah on Kuf Tes Zion Amibes 116b. And there's a machlokis in the Mishnah. What is the text of this bracha? Rabbi Tarfon Omer, I'm reading from the Mishnah. Thank you, Hashem, for redeeming us and our ancestors. From Egypt, period. The low Hoyachosin. That's it. He didn't go any further. It was a short bracha. So that's it. Like Shakol Niyebid Varo. Doesn't have bracha to Hashem. Shakol Niyebid Varo. No. That's it. It stops there. There's no more 
It stops. Rabbi Tarfon was in a rush to get to drink the wine right after this. So what did he say? A short bracha. And that's it. Comes along Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva says, listen to this, my friends. This is what we're going to say. Not only thank you, Hashem, for taking us out of Mitzrayim, but Kain Hashem alokeinu. So too, Hashem. You're going to bring us. We're going for future holidays. That's going to come, please God, peacefully. We are going to rejoice in the building of your city. And we're going to be overjoyed. With the service restored to the base amigdash. That's what we're drinking for. This is the Lachayim. This is what toasting God. And we are saying with absolute confidence, with absolute surety. Wow. And then, oh, what a bracha. Bracha to Hashem Goal Yisrael. Why? Because. This is a night of emuna, a night of optimism, a night of faith. Okay, moving on. We've drunk the second cup of wine, leaning to the left. Everybody's going to go to wash. Good. Stop. Ask yourself why you're washing. Your hands are dirty, huh? No. So why are you washing? So look at the Mishnah Brewer and I'll tell you why you're washing. You're washing for two reasons. I'm going to talk about the first. You're washing because of srach truma. What? What's that all about? Oh, look at this. My next door neighbor, you know what his name is? Mr. Cohen. Mr. Cohen used to eat food called truma. Truma is that a farmer had to give the first of his grain, 2% of his grain to Mr. Truma, Mr. Cohen. This truma had to be kept in a state of purity, and Mr. Cohen, before he ate it, had to wash his hands. Now watch. If only Mr. Cohen would have washed his hands, this would have been long gone, because there are very few Kohanim compared to the rest of the Jewish people. So what have we been doing? We've been washing our hands every time we eat bread, which is most similar to the type of grain that's given to Mr. Cohen. And we've been doing this to keep Mr. Cohn in shape, that he's going to know what to do. Now listen to me. Thousands and thousands and thousands, I can keep going on, of brachos of al-natilas yudayim have all been said, what's going on here? I'm going to give you a one-word answer, my friends. Optimism. What's that all about? The answer is, we are going to have that third base amigdash. And that's what this night is. That's what you have to tell yourself. Don't tell me there's corona outside. I'm telling you, there's optimism inside. That's the washing of our hands. Okay, next. What are you serving? At? Oh, wait a minute. Excuse me. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. You're going to make hamotzi and alachilas matzah. What's in your matzah? You're going to tell me flour and water. And I'm going to tell you, flower, water, and faith, F-A-I-T-H. I'm going to tell you that the Zohar calls matzah, michla, 
Timhem Nusa, the bread of faith. I'm going to tell you how are we getting through Corona. How do we have faith that even though Hashem is good and we don't understand it, where do we say, I still believe with perfect faith. So part of this faith comes not just from what I've gotten from the Torah and I've gotten from my teachers and I've gotten from my prayers and I got and I got, but I got from last year's matzah. Last year's matzah has injected me with faith. And this, this coming Wednesday night, we're eating more matzah. We're eating matzah of faith. It's going to help us get through the corona crisis. It's going to help us focus on where we're going to the third Beis HaMikdash. Okay, what's the meat? What's being served at your Pesach Seder? Are you a Sephardi? You're eating roasted meat. Why? To remember the Korban Pesach. If you're an Ashkenazi, you're not eating roasted meat for the exact same reason. We don't want to give the impression. Don't tell me who's right. I can't eat roasted meat because my late father was Ashkenaz. That's it. Simple as all that. But what is the night? The night is remembering that Korban Pesach. Here we go. Wait a minute. I forgot something. Right after you've had your matzah, you have your moror. Good. You have your korech. Why? Listen to the words. Zechel mikdosh kehillel. This is what Hillel did, Bizman Migdosh And therefore, we are reliving what was, and please God, you know, will be. And listen carefully now. From there, I don't want to talk about the egg, because the egg reminds us that this is the night of Tishabav, but I'm telling you right now, Tishabav will be a holiday. That's right. Of course, we're going to have the Beis Amigdash. It's going to be a holiday. And therefore, it's going to be this year on a Thursday. We're going to celebrate Wednesday night and Thursday. We pray this year. Okay, what do you have? You finished your meal, and you're going to eat that piece of matzah called the Afikoman. Why? comes along the rush, Rabbeinu Usher, and says, you know what the Afikoman is? It's a Zecher LeKarban Pesach. Amazing. I can't get away from it. It's there. That's right. But this is what you should understand. In other words, the night of optimism continues. And that's why some say, wait a minute, how many pieces are you eating? I'm eating two. Why? Because it's a remembrance of the Karban Pesach, and the Karban Pesach was eaten with matzah. Okay? And therefore... Some have two. If you have one, it's also good. Make it a big piece. Okay? Let's move on. Oh, yes. Oh, what time is it? What do you mean, what time is it? You've got to finish your Korban Pesach. You have to finish your Afikom on the remembrance of the Korban Pesach before mid the night. Here comes my favorite idea. What do you mean before mid the night? Why? What's the difference? If I finish my korban, my matzah before 12.57 or 1.05, what's the difference? And the answer is so powerfully. The first Pesach Seder, there you are in Egypt. Okay, now what's happening? Well, it's 11 o'clock, nothing's happened yet. But you're eating your Seder. You're celebrating. What are you celebrating? You're celebrating that Hashem will kill the firstborn at Chatzos. If we would have celebrated after Chatzos, big deal. Anybody can celebrate 
after the fact. We are such a unique people. We celebrated before. We celebrated in order to demonstrate our emuna, And we relive it every year. The Pesach Seder is an evening of emuna. Okay, moving on. After the Afikoma, before Chatzos. Watch this. We open the door for Elio Anavi. That's it. And we are so sure of our faith at that time. The Ramah writes, wait a second, I'm not going to quote you the Ramah. Okay, I will. The Ramah is found in Orachayim Tuf Pei, 480. Listen carefully. Kadei Liskar, we open the door to remember Shu Leil Shimurim. It's a night of protection, a night of watching. Ubischos Emunazu, in the merit of this belief, faith, Yavo Mashiach. Mashiach is going to come. And he will literally extend, spill his anger on those excuse me, those who negate God. And now listen carefully to the Lavush on that same Simon. And what does he say? He says that Whatever we've done until now at the Seder has all been to remember the past, the exodus from Egypt. The second half of the Seder, that we sing the second half of the Hallel. The Gamrov, all the songs that come after the meal, Midabrim are speaking, Bishar Hagulos. Ubagulo Asida, we're talking about the future redemption. Lakach, therefore, Kovua Yachad, it was put together, Achra Asida, Umitamzeh, and for this reason, we say Shvocha Mascha before we start the second half of the Halil, and we open the door when we do this, Laharos, to demonstrate, Shonu Betuchim, we are confident, positive, Beshem Yizborach. And the Leil Shimurim, and the Schus of the Amunazu, Yavo, Ben David. We believe Mashiach is coming. This is it, my friends. The night of the Pesach Seder is one big night of Emuna, Emunascha Balelos. Only because of time. I'm going to end with a powerful story about the Rambam. The Rambam was, and I thank Rabbiterman who sends out each week a choveris of the Muna and the Parsha. He quotes a famous story. I want you to listen to this very carefully. The Rambam was such an incredible, brilliant man. If you look at his works, the Yad HaChazaka, the Mor Nevuchim, his parish on the Mishnah, on the entire Talmud, to think that one man could do all this. And it's so written, so 
beautifully. Now watch. He was a doctor to the sultan. And the non-Jewish doctors were all jealous. Why should a Jew have that coveted position? So when the sultan found out, he said, okay, we will have a contest and we'll see. Let the chief doctor among the non-Jews prepare a poisonous potion that the Rambam will drink. And let the Rambam prepare a poisonous potion that the chief of all the other non-Jewish doctors would drink. And let's see each one if they can come up with a cure for what the other one has given him. And the Rambam drinks first. And guess what? The Rambam drank it. I wish I could tell you what he used to, to, to fend off the virus that he had. And the Rambam survived. You ready? Here goes. The Rambam gave the other doctor something to drink. And he died five days later. And they asked the Rambam, what did you put in that drink? You're not going to believe this. The Rambam said it was just a glass of water. Nothing. Not a pill. Nothing. So how did that glass of water kill the doctor? And the answer is the doctor killed himself out of fear and worry. The doctor couldn't understand. It, when is it going to come? I don't feel anything. Oy, oy, oy. What's happening? His nerves killed him. The fear of the unknown killed him. I share this with you out of love for everybody listening. I'm going to quote you a puzzle from Mishlei. Take out a Mishlei. Proverbs. Write down the number of the Pusuk so you can see it for yourself. It's not me. It's not Benjamin Uden. It's King Solomon in his book of Proverbs. And it's chapter 18. And it's verse 14. I'll say it again. 18, 14. And what does he write? He says, Ruach Ish Yechalkeil Machalehu which Art Scroll translates as a man's spirit will sustain him in his sickness. His spirit will sustain him. Now listen to the end of that verse, the flip side, the Ruach Necheor. But unfortunately, if he has what kind of a spirit, not a positive one, but he has one who is broken, Ouch. If a person has a broken spirit, then me so who can sustain him? I'm going to read you the grah, the Vilna Gon on this Pasuk. If I didn't read it, you'd say I'm making it up. The Vilna Gon says that the spirit is where your simcha comes from. And therefore he says that the Ruach Ish when a man is in happiness, he has trust in God. That verse, this sustains him in his sickness. Even if, God forbid, a machala should come to the person, 
However, for who eats of own, if a person is too nervous, I pray that everybody listening, and of course we're concerned, and of course we're worried, and of course we pray for those who need a refuah shleimah. And of course we're saddened if some people have passed away. What must we get from the Pesach Seder? We have to get, get from the Pesach Seder. Simcha. We have to get from the Pesach Seder. Emuna. And then, when we say Nirza, what is Nirza? The end of the Seder. We say to Hashem, please look upon our Seder as if we brought the Korban. Ritzei. Ritzui, the Nirzolo Lechaper Olav, Nirza, that our Seder should be once again reliving the past and please God, a portent for the future. I take this opportunity. I hope we'll speak again quickly before Yom Tov, but I take this opportunity to wish everybody a Chag Kosher Vesomeach. And Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M., I thank Rabbi Yudin for those inspiring words as Shabbos HaGadol is set to begin tonight. And the holiday of Pesach begins on Wednesday evening during this very strange and different year of 5780. Uh, Nathan Diamond is with us live via telephone. He is the Orthodox Union Advocacy Center's Executive Director. Uh, he has been working tirelessly with the White House, congressional leaders, and the charitable not-for-profit sector, not only to draft provisions in the CARES Act, the most recent round of COVID-19 response legislation, but also to get it passed last week as soon as uh, was possible. Thanks to his efforts in the OU Advocacy Center, synagogues, day schools, and other not-for-profit charities are eligible for the core programs offered in the CARES Act, such as forgivable loans up to $10 million from the Small Business Administration, deferring the payment of payroll taxes and a refundable tax credit against those payroll taxes if employees are retained on staff. In addition, we're told that there are other programs that Nathan can alert us to, and today is an important day because of a specific deadline for a loan that the organizations out there should be aware of. With all that in mind, Nathan Diamond, I hope you and your family are healthy, and welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank God we're well. Uh, It's great to be with you. Appreciate that very much. I really, I, I think at this point, I got to leave it to you to just go through some of this information so that those who lead not-for-profit organizations uh, can literally take some notes and can um, uh, and can make decisions in terms of what might might apply uh, to their efforts. Maybe that's the best place to start. Is everything that we're going to discuss this morning uh, the, the, does everything apply to every not-for-profit? Um, it, 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 we work very hard. It largely applies to most of the not-for-profits in our community. Um, there is a limit on not-for-profits that have more than 500 employees. So the really large ones um, don't qualify for some of the programs, or I would say the main program that I'm going to talk about, but they do qualify for some, some other help as well. But if you're talking, you know, most of our shoals, most of our day schools and yeshivas, um, 
would, are able to qualify for the main uh, for the main programs created at this act, and we we work very intensely in our advocacy to make sure that not only nonprofits in general, but religious nonprofits in particular, um, will be will be eligible. Do uh, are, are presidents and executive directors of organizations, schools, and synagogues uh, essentially are they equipped? To deal with all this, or do they do they need to consult with with outside help or outside consultants who are more expert than they are at this process in order to get it done? Well, we we've been trying over the past week to uh, we've held a couple of uh, webinars and conference calls and trying you know for executive directors and presidents um, you know as many as we can. Uh, but I want to come on your show to try to reach a wider audience. Um, it's not overly complicated to do this if you are. An organization that has, you know, a, a, a good uh, accountant that you work with, um, and 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 most importantly, a bank, right. uh, because the the main program here, even though it's a government-backed program, these loans are actually going to be processed by your local bank, uh, you know, Chase, Wells Fargo, you know, Cross River Bank, what have you. Um, so they are the people you're going to be talking to. So the schools and shoals, uh, the first thing we, we we've been saying to them is. Uh, get get in touch with your banker um, who knows you and you have a relationship with um, to get this process going. And time is of the of the essence uh, because the applications and the guidance were finally posted last night uh, on the Treasury website. Um, this particular program called the Paycheck Protection Program, or P3, uh, is what they're calling it shorthand. Um, is, as you said, offers up to $10 million in forgivable loans uh, to small businesses uh, and also to, as we said, nonprofit organizations. And if people are scribbling furiously, I can save you uh, that. Uh, if you go to the OU website, if you go to COVID-19, COVID and the number 19.ou.org, we have a web page uh, in which we've put up all the critical information, including a link to the application materials. And it's a pretty simple uh, three-page application with very clear instructions. Um, basically, what these loans are for, uh, again, up to $10 million. It's the lesser of $10 million or two and a half times your average monthly payroll is the amount of money you can borrow um, for use primarily to pay salaries, um, you can also use it to pay mortgage interest. You can use it to pay utility costs or rent. Um, and then when you use the money for those purposes over the next eight weeks after having received the loan, the loan gets forgiven. Right. And so basically it gets turned into a grant. Um, the, um, and again, to underscore, um, the, it's available for nonprofits in general. We made sure that the guidance that came out from the White House has very clear language in it uh, that says, you know, religious organizations are eligible and and, and are to be uh, and are to be dealt with consistent with the First Amendment and other re relevant federal religious liberty laws. Um, so this is a great resource for the community in these difficult times and our institutions in these difficult times. So, so I would so again underscore to executive directors and presidents of shoals and schools, um, go to our website. Call up your banker this morning, who, by the way, is going to be inundated. Right. But get 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 going on this if you haven't already. Um, it's COVID19.ou.org, folks. COVID19. 
uh, .ou.org. So today was important because today's a deadline of something or because of the reason you just said that it opens up? Uh, no, app- today today the application's opened, um, and but I would just say, uh, you know, given the state of the economy, uh, you know, th- th- this Congress funded this program initially at $350 billion. Right. Um, I think $350 billion is going to be gone um, before Pesach. It's right. going to be gone before you're burning your your chametz or, fl- or flushing it down the toilet. Um, because, again, this is not exclusively for nonprofits. It's for small businesses. Um, and so uh, – and, and, and the government is looking to get, get the money out the door and into the economy as quickly as it possibly can. Understood. Nathan Diamond's with us as we discuss some of the things that are going on to help – not-for-profits and businesses uh, during this uh, very, very strange and challenging time. Um, so when you wrote the uh, the Jewish Week article where you uh, wanted Washington to pay more attention to the charities, that was to the larger ones? You knew already at that point that the smaller ones would be addressed in all this? Well, the, the, the smaller ones are addressed to some extent in this, um, but uh, Frankly, you know, the, the nonprofit organizations, especially the social welfare organizations in the Jewish community and elsewhere, um, are, are, you know, in a, in, a, in a double crisis, so to speak, right? Because um, they rely so much on fundraising and contributions. Right. Um, and obviously, in these difficult economic times, those contributions are down um, significantly. Right. And at the same time, demand for services um, is up because there are more people in need. Um, one one of the Jewish community organizations in New York City that works with uh, with with poor people in the community uh, on, a, on a whole host of programs. The CEO of that organization told me la- the week before last that they went they spent a million dollars over budget in one week because of the the the, the demands for their services. Yeah. Um, so that's what's going on. Um, this, the, the provisions that we got in for nonprofits in this legislation, in this two trillion dollar bill, were a good start. But um, you know, we need we need a lot more for the Jewish communities, uh, tzedakahs in particular, and for you know other important groups, whether it's uh, you know um, whether it's uh, the, the Heart Association, the hospitals, uh, obviously uh, all kinds of charities in the medical field. Um, Goodwill, food banks, etc. We're working with all of them, and we're hoping that I'm mean, hoping this situation, you know, ends as soon as possible, and things can quote unquote get back to normal. But if it's going to go on for a while, um, Congress is going to be is going to have to do more. And uh, as as I tried to lay out in the Jewish Week uh, essay you referenced in this week's paper, um, we have some bold proposals that we're asking Congress to undertake in addition uh, to what's in this bill. Nathan Diamond with us. So you mentioned the SBA loans. You mentioned the Paycheck Protection Loans. Expanded unemployment benefits. I mean, that's something that 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 one would not consider if they're leading an organization. In other words, they would not consider firing personnel at this point um, uh, and, and ask them to go on unemployment because of the Paycheck Protection Loans, or, or, or one has nothing to do with the other? No. Well, the, 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 loans, the loans are to try to help uh, the, the 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 businesses and the organizations keep people on staff and keep paying them salaries, right? Basically, right. the government is giving you money to pay your salaries, at least for a certain period of time. Right. Um, unfortunately, not every organization is going to be able to do that, and so um, what we did. So so I would you know uh, senators and congressmen were obviously interested in expanding unemployment insurance because so many people. 
at least hopefully on a short-term basis, are unemployed. Um, one of the things we were particularly focused on in the religious sector is that um, it's, it's traditionally been the case that worker uh, employees of religious organizations have not, in many states, been able to collect unemployment insurance. And so this law, the CARES Act, actually changed that and said in New Jersey, for example, where uh, previously a person laid off from a religious organization would not get unemployment insurance from the state, now they will get unemployment insurance from the state. Wow. The same is true of ind independent contractors, um, gig workers, freelancers, things like that. Um, the, the other thing that was put in uh, that uh, Senator Schumer in particular uh, was very focused on was that the federal government is adding federal money on top of that. So let's say, for example, if you would get laid off and you would get $400 from the state of New Jersey in unemployment pay, uh, per week, um, for the next three months, the federal government is putting $600 a week on top of that uh, to help people. So again, that's a, that's on the individual side. If if unfortunately you're in a situation um, of being laid off, um, not on not on the employer side. Understood. Are all these programs that we mentioned? Obviously, the unemployment is is an exception because that's something that's always open. But the other the programs specifically are all of them starting today. This is the time for for everybody to leap into action. Yes. Yes. Simple I mean, as that. The guidance, the guidance is still being ironed out, uh, but it's basically there. And the banks, and the banks again on these loans are going to be processing things uh, fast and furious. Uh, on the uh, OU website, there's a a, a great resource page: covid19.ou.org. Covid19.ou.org. And Nathan, as we referenced earlier, uh, presidents. Uh, executive directors, rabbis, leaders, etc. Obviously, uh, that that's really who it's for. If they go there to that page, yes. they'll be able to get a lot of guidance on everything. We, and there's nothing out there available. Just confirm that I'm right about this. There's nothing out there available, especially vis-a-vis -vis the not-for-profits. Uh, that's not on that resource page, correct? Um, the, the, we're focused on the big ticket item right now. There, there are a few other things that we still have to load up. Um, and that you can click through on, but uh, that that is your gateway. COVID19.ou.org. Anything else you'd like to add? Anything else in terms of, uh, I don't know, either inspirational words for those who are now going through all this uh, in terms of leading their organizations through this incredible crisis or anything practical you want to mention that we haven't touched on yet? Well, I, I, I guess I would just say that, you know, these are very difficult times and we're literally, we're literally isolated. And in this sense, you know, um, I mean, the OU is a very broad organization doing many things to try to support the community. Um, in the advocacy space, you know, if you're leading a shoal or a school, um, you're not alone. Um, and we, uh, among others, are trying to support you as, as much as we can and get, get you the resources that we can. Um, and so, uh, again, if you go to that page, you'll see what we've got, what, what we've tried to provide so far. Um, and then uh, if you're not already connected in, to OU advocacy, um, please do, because, um, again, we're going to have to do more advocacy for the community and your institutions uh, probably in the coming weeks as well, as this as this will take some time um, to, to get the economy in the United States to recover. Um, and 
we are we are supporting you, and if you partner with us, we can support you better. And uh, any application that anybody needs at the moment that we discussed this morning, there's a link to it on that page that we. Yeah, there's a link to it on the site, and and they should they should look at the application, and again, uh, call call their bank, and if they if they don't have a a, a, a relationship with a bank, um, we we do have. Uh, a few a few banks that have connections to the community um, with with leaders who have said to us they will try to be the backstop um, for community institutions um, who cannot get served by um, you know uh, by, by a bank. Got it. It's gonna be tough to get through to the banks today, huh? Yes. <laughs> Better. Oh, and the truth is, I mean, and and you would never recommend, obviously, in this atmosphere, to walk in in person, obviously. So, the, I mean, the, the, no, no. really, no the, one's no, the no fo- one's doing this in person. <laughs> right, the fo- the phone and email is the only choice anybody has at this point. Yeah. All right. Let's hope it goes well. I could tell you one thing. Uh, I was on the phone last week trying to just postpone a payment for for one company. I still have not gotten through to a person to discuss it with them. After every day being on the phone, thirty to sixty minutes, just waiting and waiting and waiting. So hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully we won't have that same type of situation now. In this case, uh, I guess, right. I guess, I guess it might pay to uh, it, it might it, it might be better now if you're part of a smaller bank <laughs> because because they're not going to be as inundated. Like that. But then again, the bigger banks have bigger staff, so hopefully they'll be able to handle it. Anyway, look, I'm looking for a silver lining there somewhere, Nathan. What can I tell you? I'm, situation um many organizations and many people are trying to pull together and, and help each other that's simple the and there are a lot of organizations that are in our uh in our community nationwide as you pointed out that are doing such amazing and incredible work these days and really taking big financial risks just to keep their clients you know uh, above water so to speak and they've got to be acknowledged yep. and i hope that we remember to support them because there are going to be a lot of people out there going to need our support over the next few Indeed. weeks and months. Uh, Nathan Diamond, I thank you. Uh, continued the success with all your amazing work that you do on behalf of our community nationwide. Uh, Nathan Diamond, of course, the executive director of the uh, of OU Advocacy. And we wish you a Chag Hashem and stay safe and stay healthy. To you as well and to all your listeners. Thank you thank so much. Thank you so much. Um, any, any information, folks, covid19.ou.org. If you're a shul or school, you got to be crazy not to go to that website, to that page, and and look at what's available to you and what the pro- process is. Uh, COVID nineteen C O V I D one nine at or not at dot o u dot org. COVID nineteen dot o u dot org. Go to that page. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the page right now just to make sure I can I can reach there. Uh, and sure enough, there it is. COVID19.OU.org. JM in the AM on a Friday morning broadcast as we get set to wrap things up. Um, wishing everybody a wonderful Shabbos Agadol. It's different. It's different, certainly, than what we're used to. Especially Shabbos Agadol, where so many people try to make sure they are uh, in shul and then at the... Uh, Shabbos Agadol Drusha of the of the um, community. So this year will be a little bit different, to say the least. After JM and the AM, by the way, Naomi Nachman with Table for Two, followed by Mark Zomik and the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And boy, 
He has an amazing Shabbos Agudel show coming up. Time is taken. Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM.
Achenu Yisrael and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at AchimSingle.com and the AchimSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and a great week here at JM and the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, um, Naomi Nachman next, table for two. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem tomorrow night. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis live starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. It's JM and the AM live from our New York City studios. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Speak to you Monday. Till then, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future. Yeah.